Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Take a walk with hosts Phyllis Fagel and Joe Mazza as they discuss self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is designed to support the concepts found in the book, The Successful Middle School, This We Believe, and is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education. Learn more at amle.org. Today's episode, talking with students about the election. Phyllis, we've been on walks um, over the past six, seven months um, talking about, you know, things related, not related to the pandemic. Um, Schools are seeing through a lens that um, I don't believe we've ever talked about seen through process before um, in ways that are unavoidable. You know, whether we're talking about um, teachers coming in, you know, burnout, um, you know, teaching in a way they've never taught before their families being personally affected by uh, COVID, Um, having had conversations, you know, about much of the civil unrest that's happening. People are in a much different place than uh, they were in the 2016 election. And that was also a um, very defining moment, you know, for education and, and what we value and what we actually talk about in school as it relates to politics and the election. What are some of your concerns here in 2020 um, with the election happening um, and the conversations that are happening before and after this election? So on the positive side, I don't think we're going to be blindsided in the same way we were in 2016. We recognize that everyone is in, there's just this highly charged energy that everyone is feeling right now. And I think we're all trying to gear up for it. I think it's challenging for teachers because they have to maintain objectivity and their stamina is down. Just as you were saying, everybody is running on empty at this moment in time. And so anticipating that kids could come back in varying emotional states and that we might need to be helping them process all of this, it's a lot to think about in this particular time in history. You know, I've got, you know, four young children um, and it's been really hard to put on the news um, around the election and around politics because there has been um, so much uh, conversation and, and debate, which has been polarizing. You know, it hasn't necessarily been, um, you know, uh, debates and um, conversations uh, that are things that we would model, you know, for kids and for schools. And um, I know there are teachers working really hard to open up conversations. Uh, I know there's, you know, librarians and media specialists um, like we have at our school that are preparing lessons for teachers um, that are, you know, about things like TikTok and and where are you getting your news and, and trying to stick with the facts um, of the whole situation. And that's really hard um, because there are so many different um, news venues coming out. You know, when we were growing up, there was only a handful. Uh, now there were literally thousands. Um, you know, what are you sharing with um, your teachers, you know, at your school, you know, as it relates to having these conversations in a way that is, you know, mindful of all the different variables and in and, and a way to, to role model um, how to have these conversations, especially because not everybody is, is used to be talking about things that are charged. Um, there are many that stay away from conversations like this. 
Absolutely. And so in my school, we've tried to give teachers as many resources as possible. Teaching Tolerance is a great resource, and they have a lot of election-related lessons that teachers can use. I think one of the things that teachers need to remember is that while they need to remain objective and we don't want anybody having either a victory lap dance or falling apart and completely collapsing afterwards because emotions are contagious and our students aren't going to do well if the adults around them aren't going to do well. We need to be processing that on our own. But what we can talk about and what kids want us to talk about, and I saw some interesting research recently that said that kids do want their adults in their lives, their parents and their teachers, not just to be having conversations about politics, but to be modeling for them what it means to have a healthy dialogue about it. And that's actually what we can do now. We can talk about the difference between an ad hominem attack and talking about policies versus politicians and talking about the issues. And kids are going to do better if they feel a sense of agency. So in addition to the adults modeling that calm for them, if we can help them really understand what it is that's important to them, whether it's climate, climate change or racial equality, whether it's animal rights, and give them ways to exercise that desire to make a difference in those realms, they're going to do better themselves. I think as educators, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to have that perfect lesson. You know, one of the examples is recording uh, Zoom sessions and um, for asynchronous learning uh, and, and putting a lesson together and re-recording re it, you know, 15 times mm -hmm. because it didn't look right. And, um, you know, to take that mindset because our, our teachers really want to do this well. You know, they want to facilitate conversations. Um, you know, like you said, they're not in the best place right now. You know, one could argue they're in a, um, a much worse place um, in 2020 going into conversations like this than, than we were in 2016, you know, without, without COVID um, and other things happening on our world right now. Um, I think there's an opportunity to be real and to be vulnerable without you know, saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so disappointed that, you know, the the election went this way or went that way. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've I've read and, and, you know, there's not a lot of time for us educators to keep reading and reading and reading, you know, um, but, you know, it's important. You know, we can't just completely block it out as if it's not happening. Um, our kids want to have these conversations. They're, they're ready to have conversations. The, the worst thing I think we can do is not have them and have them learn from friends or TikTok or another place where we're not sure if the, the news is real and, and truthful in terms of what they're doing and how they're kind of developing their own mindset. And uh, one of the pieces that has stuck with me is, um, you know, the teacher in these discussions and conversations should really be invisible, you know, really should be we should be, you know, assessing our own work here on the the level of quality of the discussion. Um, and I kind of think of a, of, a, of a baseball game where the umpire is there, uh, of course, keeping the ground rules, you know, safe and, and as the, the rules are written. Um, but really, it's not about the umpire. The umpire really shouldn't be like a featured part of the game. You know, it sh that person should be like facilitating the successful game according to the rules. And um, I, I look at that a lot like these discussions that we're having in class. You know, what can we do as educators to validate folks, you know, the feelings and, and make sure that, you know, we're we're speaking from a line of, of truth and facts um, and I, allowing people to speak. Right. 
Yeah, no, I, I was just thinking I really love that metaphor of the umpire, and I think that takes some of the pressure off of teachers, too. They can be that moderator. They can kick off the discussion. They can make sure that the tone is sensitive and that nobody is degrading anyone in the room or making someone feel that they have less information than they should have. You know, everyone's coming at this with different background knowledge, and I think we do need to remember that some kids are hearing the news but not processing it with their parents at home or with their caregivers while others are talking about it ad nauseum. So everybody's coming to the table with a different level of understanding and we want to make sure, and, and maybe this is the kind of a conversation in much the way I do with my groups, with my therapy groups, where we set those norms or remind kids of the norms that we set at the beginning of the year, what we want from one another, what we need from one another, because Everything about this election has been about what we are at our worst, you know, that polarizing language, that feeling, that divisiveness. And what we really want is to use it as a, to unify our classes, to bring everyone together, to help people make sense of this together, as opposed to tear them apart. And it's a good opportunity, I think, to celebrate diversity and to talk about how our strength is in our diversity, including diversity of ideas, you know. We, we don't want to demonize or make a politician a hero, and we don't want kids to view it that way because that, then they might turn on one another, too, if they don't have the same beliefs. As we're heading into November, you know, we, we've been able to get to know our kids, you know, and, and many of our schools are still on remote instruction. Um, more and more schools are trying to start to be in school. And um, depending on where you are, depending on, you know, certain um, infection rates in the different states and counties, that's being successful. Or there might be, you know, some, um, you know, some 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 places where we're taking a step back, you know, based upon, you know, any number of circumstances. But um, our advisories have been in motion, you know, for two months now. You know, we're not like starting the year on the first week yeah. where it's nearly impossible to have a conversation that gets deeper than surface level, you know, for kids. So, you know, when we're talking about things like civil discourse, you know, and, and trying to understand that, you know, our our brains, you know, we have limitations in our thinking, you know, cognitive bias is a real thing. Um, so, so this tendency to interpret information in a way that um, affirms what we already believe, you know, those things have to, you know, start to come out. We have to understand that those are natural things and, you know, not purposeful 100% of the time. And I think it's hard because our parents um, aren't necessarily understanding that those things like the biases are real. Um, and, you know, kids, some kids are understanding them because they're being taught and modeled in, in class. And this is not a social studies thing. This is really a human life skill, you know, kind of thing and not knowing our brains. Um, so, so we've got, you know, these conversations are happening in our classrooms, but they're also happening outside them. So uh, it's just really important for us when we're in these conversations and, and leveraging them as teachable moments and reflecting upon them. And I, our school, you know, we haven't had a lot of training. Our teachers haven't had a lot of training as it relates to this. And, you know, lately we've done a full court press to just kind of make sure that we're ready to go because it's happening, um, you know, but you know, I, I think that this has got to become more and more a part of daily life and things like advisory and not just a part of social studies every four years. I completely agree. And I think there's such a tie between civics and social emotional skills. And what I think might help teachers as they're approaching this conversation, rather than worrying about what they're not bringing to the table, is to 
approach kids from a stance of curiosity to try to figure out what is it they need. Do they need clarification? Do they need information? Do they need reassurance that they're safe? I think this is a time when if a school has a DEIC, a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee, to really be checking in with them to see what they're hearing from students as well. Because what we want to make sure is that nobody feels like they're not a part of our school communities right now. So we're in a place now that, again, going back to the results, quote unquote, of the election. And, you know, how do we remain calm? How do we continue to remain open minded, um, focus on ideas moving forward and not the judgment part? You know, how do we really listen and and not just to the words, but with our bodies, you know, with our language, um, being mindful, having these guiding ground rules to move forward on any difficult conversation when there's emotions involved. Absolutely. And one of the most powerful things a teacher can do if they are having powerful emotions is to just be authentic about it and say to the child that they're talking to at that moment or say to the classroom, I think I'm going to take a break. I just need to catch my breath because then we're modeling for them how they can center themselves when they're feeling a little out of control. So, I want to share a situation that um, happened um, that, you know, it may have happened in other schools. I I think there's lots of um, incidents that happen, and I think it's a real opportunity for teachers to intervene and make it a teachable moment, you know. So, and I didn't share this with you before we recorded today, um, but you don't need to because you're a complete rock star when it comes to this. I I text you from time to time and get free (laughs) advice. I mean, I always appreciate that in your, in your friendship. Um, but you know, yeah, well, yeah. Um, in advisory, um, or a homeroom and whatnot, there are a group of kids and, and many of us have, they're called pods, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're called things in all over the, the country, but you know, for our sake, we'll call them pods. And, um, there was, uh, some words written, uh, on one of the whiteboards in the classroom, Um, that said, you know, this candidate sucks. And it was there and nobody claimed that it wasn't a name. And it just kind of sat there during the day. And, you know, folks in the room were uncomfortable with it. And it came up and, you know, the teacher noticed and, um, you know, the the conversation ensued. And, um, you know, it it was an opportunity for a you know, I, I would say a meeting, right? A, a mm-hmm. restorative practice focused meeting, you know, with the, with the class. If, if I'm pulling my kids together, whether it be advisory or another class, you know, within the day's schedule, you know, what are the things that we're saying to kids, you know, when something like that happens? Um, well, I mean, from my perspective, what I think we want to be hammering home over and over again is that it is okay to disagree, but it is all about how we disagree, and we want to make sure that we are not making anybody feel unwelcome, that we're not degrading anyone's humanity, that we are not devaluing someone else's idea, and the there are so many issues that that raises. You know, you've got the anonymity piece of it, 
right? What does it say about our community that people don't feel like they can talk openly, that they have to put it on a whiteboard? And then I would ask a lot of questions. How do you think someone who doesn't support this candidate might feel? How do you feel about the person who made that comment on the board? What, what is your impression of that person not knowing who they are? Because I think often, especially with middle schoolers, they do something for a reaction and they haven't actually thought through all the way to what that reaction might be. And if you're talking to the class in which it happened, odds are the person who put that comment up there is in that class classroom and is part of that conversation. And it's a chance to really let them listen to how that impacted everyone else. I definitely wouldn't wait. I would handle it in the moment and quickly. And as the teacher, as the advisor in that room, your role, going back to what you mentioned earlier with the empire, which is perfect, is to stay super calm to ask questions, to ask people to reflect. You can ask people if they don't feel comfortable talking to write it down. And they can even share ideas anonymously that you can look at and read out loud. But you want to get that dialogue going because that's what we want to be teaching kids. How do you have a civil dialogue? And that is hopefully the takeaway from this election, that people are incredibly uncomfortable with the way the election has unfolded and hopefully will want to create a better community for themselves, not just in their city or their state or our country, but in their classrooms and in their school. Excellent. Well, I don't know if you can hear the fire whistle behind me as I walk down the street here, uh, <laughs> but you know, 4,000 steps later, um, and, and these conversations are great. You know, whether you're listening to them um, on a walk, whether you're in the car, um, I think we've got to find creative ways to develop ourselves and, and have, have us, you know, as educators hearing not just from, you know, the people that we work with every day, you know, but expanding that and, and trying to steer clear of group think. But, you know, thinking broadly, you know, I, I think there's challenges every day. This is certainly the one that's on the plate right now um, with all the additional challenges that we have here going into the third month of the school year. Um, and the eighth month of the pandemic. So, I, you know, I hope people continue to, to work really hard to, to listen most, to put the oxygen mask on their self, you know, before they help the kids at home and the kids at school. And it's hard. It's, it's harder than it's ever been. Um, but it's a, it's a real defining moment, um, you know, for, for all of us um, here at school as, as, we, as we move through this particular moment in time. It really is, and I, I always love talking to you, Joe, whether, whether we're walking or texting. So hopefully other people will join this conversation and we'll be able to bring people on to talk with us as well. And um, I look forward to next week in our next conversation. All right. This has been Phyllis Fagel and Joe Mazza for the Educators Walk and Talk. <laughs>